This is the To The Point Podcast. Together with our ERISA attorney, we'll explore key Affordable Care Act and trending compliance topics all in 15 minutes or less. Now here's our host, Sarah Gillespie. Welcome to this edition of our To The Point Podcast. I'm Sarah Gillespie. I'm the Compliance Director at Lipscomb & Pitts, and I have with me Stacy Barrow, our ERISA counsel. Good morning, Stacy. Good morning, Sarah. Maybe afternoon for you, wherever you're listening or whenever you're listening. But we wanted to share with you today a little bit about the Family Medical Leave Act, FMLA. I've had a lot of questions on this lately, um, what to do in certain situations, how to handle different things. And so Stacy and I wanted to just share some thoughts on this. So Stacy, first, can you unpack for us what is the Family Medical Leave Act? Um, sure. FMLA um, is a federal law that entitles eligible employees of certain employers, covered employers, um, and it enables them to take an unpaid leave for certain family and medical reasons. It's a job-protected leave, and it also allows them to continue health insurance coverage on the same terms and conditions as if the employee had not taken leave. And it's basically... um, a way to allow employees to balance their work life and their family life, again, by taking this reasonable unpaid leave for certain family and medical reasons, as well as for certain forms of military leave. Okay, and to which employers does it apply? I know there are certain stipulations. Sure, it basically applies um, to uh, private sector employers who employ 50 or more employees for at least 20 work weeks in the current or preceding calendar year. And this includes uh, what they call joint employers as well as successor uh, companies of covered employers. And it also applies to all public agencies, including state, local, and federal employers, as well as schools. And one thing we we do always recommend is if you're kind of on the cusp of having FMLA apply, you should talk to Sarah or someone at Lipscomb and Pitts, and they can get in touch with us if need be, and we can really focus in and and let you know um, when FMLA applies, because it is a little bit tricky um, when you get to be on the cusp of that 50-employee threshold. Do common ownership rules play at all? Um, they they do. Um, they're not exactly the same rules as the controlled group rules, which you may remember from uh, ACA reporting, uh, being an applicable large employer member. Uh, when you're members of the, the same controlled group of corporations, and if you've ever seen the IRS code sections that deal with Uh, those rules at Section 414 of the Internal Revenue Code. Um, FMLA uh, works a little bit differently. They have the concept of joint employers. It's very similar to the control group rules, but it's not exactly the same. So again, that's why it really is critical um, if you have related entities um, and you're, again, at that 50 employee threshold. Okay, and you did mention that it's one of it's one of the ways that you can protect your health coverage while you're out on leave is 
through this act. So can you explain how benefits function in congruence with FMLA? Is it only going to protect your medical? What about if you have dental coverage, vision coverage, um, things like that? Um, yeah, so it, it does allow um, the extension of coverage during the FMLA period, and, and that is group health plan coverage, not, not just medical, but dental and vision as well, um, health FSA, um, you know, those kind of, of uh, group health insurance benefits. doesn't extend to short-term disability, long-term disability, life insurance, although many employers um, will actually continue um, life insurance benefits while someone's on FMLA, just out of administrative convenience. It's usually more trouble than it's worth to go in and terminate that person out and then put them back on the plan when they come back. Uh, so you know, usually that kind of uh, extension is permitted under the terms of the plan. should always review it just to make sure, but that's a, a pretty common practice. Okay. And so um, we get questions about short-term disability and FMLA running concurrently. You know, oftentimes this comes into play with maternity leave or something like that. But is that how those two function? Do they run concurrently? Yes. You're permitted to run FMLA concurrent with, with most other leaves like STD. Most employers do, in fact, run them concurrently. Um, if I could just, I just realized I should, I should, add something to the last question that we just discussed about the benefits functioning in congruence with FMLA, and that is your Section 125 plan, your cafeteria plan or flexible benefits plan, whatever you call it, should have pretty detailed language in there about paying for benefits while on FMLA. There are a few different ways to pay for benefits while an employee is on FMLA. They can prepay upfront for the period, they can pay as they go, um, or they can do the catch-up option. And they, they basically are what they sound like, and you can choose any or all of those three to be in your cafeteria plan, although you can't choose the prepay option as your only option. And most employers uh, do all three, and they really only come into play when the FMLA leave is unpaid. When an employee is supplementing their, their FMLA leave, say with PTO or you know, other vacation time or, or short-term disability benefits, um, the, the, the pre-tax elections continue uninterrupted. Um, so I think that's uh, just an important note regarding you know, how to handle those benefits and payment of those benefits when someone's on FMLA. Definitely. So what if you've got a person on FMLA and they can't return to work, their medical condition is not resolved, the person for whom they're caring, you know, their condition is not resolved. What happens to the benefits and the job for someone who says they can't return at the end of the 12 week leave? Sure. So this happens all the time, of, of course. Um, and so a couple of things really need to happen, and let's maybe take the benefits side first. Um, and I'll preface it by saying there's a lot of times where or when an employer will have an employee who doesn't return at the end of FMLA, and the employer says, well, you know, gee, this is a good employee. I think he might need a few more weeks. We don't want to just fire him, but what do we do with his health insurance? You know, he's not really actively working here. And so the, the best practice, and this is how most plans operate, is to offer COBRA 
once the individual does not return from approved FMLA leave. And it doesn't have to be COBRA offered due to termination of employment, because again, we don't have to terminate employment. I'm gonna to get to the employment part in a second. Um, but it, you, would, you would offer COBRA due to the reduction in hours. Um, and so that's, that's typically how it would work. Um, the employee would have the option to take COBRA. Um, you know, some employers do provide for an extension of benefits for medical leaves after FMLA, maybe even up to six months or longer. Um, that would always have to be included under the terms of the plan. You'd want to make sure it was offered uh, on a non-discriminatory basis to similarly situated employees. But the general practice is once the person doesn't return from FMLA, that's when the uh, COBRA notice is sent and benefits are terminated. Um, even if someone's coverage lapses during FMLA, like they, you know, they said they were going to continue it, they never sent the money in, and so you know, maybe a couple of weeks into FMLA or a month in, the benefits end. The COBRA event occurs not when benefits end during FMLA, it occurs at the end of FMLA when the person doesn't come back to work. And so conceivably, they could even have a, a gap in coverage during the FMLA period and then pick it up with COBRA on the back end. Usually in practice, they're not going to elect it if they didn't keep it going during their, their leave. But from a COBRA standpoint, you really want to make sure that um, you know, you're on top of the notice requirements and you, you get that notice out. Um, obviously, people who are on FMLA may be um, more likely to utilize the plan. Carriers will always look to see if you have a signed election notice in place. You don't just want to leave someone on the plan for a year or two after FMLA ends because the carrier could maybe challenge um, those claims. Now, what happens to their job? Um, and again, that's a, a very fact-specific kind of thing. Um, me as a benefits attorney, I don't usually advise too much on, you know, what do we do with the employment after FMLA ends? But, but one thing, you know, I, I will mention um, is that you have to think of other laws that may apply. Um, and one of them is the ADA, Americans with Disabilities Act. And so say an employee um, exhausts his FMLA and the employer says, look, there's no more job protection here. I, I need to fill this position and I'm going to look to terminate this employee. If the ADA applies, and it probably most likely will because that applies basically to 20 employees, so if you're subject to FMLA, you're going to be subject to the ADA. And the ADA requires that um, before you, you terminate someone who may have a disability, that you engage in what they call the interactive process with that employee and see, you know, are there any accommodations that you might be able to make to enable that person to return to work? You know, are the fluorescent lights bothering them? Does the desk need to be, you know, raised or lowered? You know, what kind of accommodations can you make? You just want to make sure that you, you have engaged in that interactive process with the employee. Um, and sometimes it might be that the reasonable accommodation is, is one more week off. To, to let them heal up or do whatever they need to do, and then they come back to work um, and they, they have that job protection. So it, it is important to just think of other laws that apply, um, things like the ADA and maybe any other state corollaries to FMLA. 
So it sounds like a conversation with benefits counsel is a really good idea if you are in that situation where someone's not able to return to work. Yeah, I, I think so. Either, you know, someone like us, benefits counsel, any of my partners that do the labor and employment side, always happy to have that conversation and, you know, just review the facts. You want to, um, you know, some employees can, can be very litigious and, and these are very fact sensitive situations. Anytime you're going to terminate someone who may have a disability, it's always good to check with your outside counsel. Definitely. So what would you suggest for employers who are under 50 and therefore not required to extend FMLA, but want to offer some kind of similar leave policy? What would you suggest that they do? Do they simply need to come up with a policy and create you know, a written document for it? Yeah, um, there are plenty of employers that want to do these kinds of policies when they're not subject to FMLA for various reasons. You know, some employers are paternalistic. Um, they look at it as a way to recruit, attract, and retain good employees. So it is you know, often done. Um, one thing to check to see if there are any state corollaries to FMLA. A lot of states have their own version of FMLA or you know, parental leave or earned sick time or something like that. So there may already be some kinds of protections in place under state law, um, but otherwise you could talk to um, a firm like us and we could help you develop a, a policy. It doesn't have to be you know, all that fancy. You have a lot of flexibility if you're not subject to any of those state and federal laws. Um, and we would recommend you know, having it in writing just so you can um, administer it on the same terms and conditions for all your employees. Thanks, Stacy. That's really helpful information. If you have questions and you'd like to contact Stacy or one of his partners, or you want to talk to me about any of this, please email me at sarahg at lpinsurance.com, and I'd be happy to work with you on that or connect you with Stacy. Thanks so much for tuning into this podcast, and be sure to listen to one of our others.